Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in downtown Phoenix. Diamondbacks, Dodgers, going for the chance to sweep L.A. Manager Tori Lavella, what do you see when you look at the other dugout? The Dodgers are coming. They're, we, we are expecting their absolute best. Um, and we're ready for that opportunity. Oh, get fired up. The opportunity to knock the Dodgers off is tonight. Brandon Vaught is on the mound. Only got a 3-9 and nine record, 572 ERA and a 141 whip. However, his opponent, Lance Lynn, pretty much the same. 573 ERA, 100th of a point higher. 139 whip, 200th of a point lower. They're kind of the same pitcher. Brandon Vaught, what are you jacked up about for tonight's game? Anytime Chase sells out, that's, that's uh, good for everybody. So I think it's definitely something to look forward to and and it should be an awesome experience. Vaught throws out the first pitch. 6-0-7. Diamondbacks Dodgers. Let's go. Hey, other scores. Just American League games. Texas actually swept Baltimore. One of the best teams in baseball out in only three games. Rangers win 7-1. Nathan Uvalde, seven in each pitch. Only gave up one earned run. Struck out seven. Astros crushed the Twins 9-1. Abreu went yard twice at five RBIs. That means that series is extended to four games. Game four is today at four o'clock. Now, nationally, Braves are in Philly. First pitch of that game, 2-0-7. Yes, Diamondbacks-Dodgers is the late game. Suns in action at a home last night. Denver, 115-107 was the score. KD, Booker, Beal all sat out in the Denver victory. Nuggets, they started their championship lineup. That means Nurkic did go up against the Joker. Handled the zone, 10 points, four rebounds in 16 minutes. Josh Okogie had 17.6 rebounds, three assists, two blocks. Frank Vogel, what did you see? This team in particular creates a lot of different challenges that we have complex layers to our defense that, you know, we're still in the, uh, you know, base defense phase. <laughs> he said the biggest issue was just stopping Jokic. <laughs> I think that's going to be an issue no matter what. Booker, however, this was interesting, voted best two guard by the NBA general managers participating in the NBA.com survey. So he's getting some love. Game three of the, game of the five-game preseason tomorrow night. At Portland. Tough news here. James Conner put on IR with a knee injury. That's now the one that he suffered against the Bengals. Quick lineup for a change for them with Marcato probably being in the starting lineup. It'll be Cardinals at Rams Sunday 125. Coyotes owner Alex Morello wrote a letter to fans saying he's still committed to staying in Arizona but gave no hints on the location of the new arena. Now, the NHL season started last night. However, the Coyotes, they don't play until Friday in New Jersey. And finally, 
oh no, how, do, how does something like this happen? You've got a scenario. <laughs> I'm already laughing too hard to even be able to tell you the story. <laughs> so the issue for everything is a Florida woman has decided that an argument with a uh, the convenience store clerk can only be settled one way. She grabbed tongs, grabbed a sausage, and threw it at the convenience store clerk. It started a skirmish. The woman then left, and when she tried to drive away, the convenience store clerk had the sausage in her hand and threw the sausage at the woman. So what did the woman do? She grabbed the Coke she had just bought, and she threw it back at the clerk and then drove away. Well, she was then arrested after she drove away. You might be shocked to find out. This happened in Florida. (laughs) Jackpot Unplugged Army. I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tea time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off, plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat. You walk over for happy hour with your wife. You might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime. Or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedworldwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. I think you you both know, all of you know, I don't know how, if there's only two of you watching right now, that these stories only happen to me. Like, how does it happen? that a woman looks at you and says, can you help? And then you look at her screen on her computer and, and there's there's a vagina there. It's like, wait, what just happened? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz and you have found the only podcast in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your TV every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merck. This is Doug Franz Unplugged. Presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. I got to admit, I have no idea how that sounded to you. There's about a second and a half internet lag that is going on. So the music in my ears was great. I I nailed it. But to you, I have no idea what that sounded like. Hi, we're trying this. And hopefully everything goes okay today. I brought my regular old podcasting stuff. Not my, I have a 
high level studio quality microphone at home, but this is the one that I travel with because it's not it's not as expensive, so I don't want it. So if it gets banged up a little bit of the suitcase, it's okay. But other than that. I brought my podcasting stuff with me and I was going to stay up and do a podcast. And then CEO Chris said, well, wait, do you have a camera on your laptop? I said, yeah. Well, let's try it. So I am broadcasting live from my hotel room in Cleveland. It is a little after nine o'clock in the morning here. So I'm assuming that I'm not waking a lot of people up. I have no idea how bad it might freeze. I have no idea what this might look like. There's a little bit of a lag today. So if I say play sound, Jeff Weir production, he'll play something and then it'll happen about a second and a half after I say it. So don't blame Jeff Weir production today. If it takes a little bit of time between my throws and the actual sound hopefully four minute offense sounded okay other than me i'll tell you the truth i lost the story about the woman throwing sausages <laughs> and then i was trying to find it and then i just started laughing crazy uh crazy trip crazy trip if uh, for those of you that uh, that don't know trying to find it's great it's great trying to find humor on a on a solemn occasion as uh, i am in cleveland it was eight hundred dollars to fly to buffalo it was $300 to fly to, well, it was even cheaper because Jennifer found an amazing flight, but it was cheaper to fly to Cleveland and rent a car than it was to fly to Buffalo. Even one way to Buffalo, let alone the return trip. So I'm here in Cleveland, and then I'm going to leave after the I get the podcast put up and uh, and have a good time. So I'm, I'm excited to be here and uh, saddened, of course. If you didn't know, Ron Wolfley lost his younger brother, Dale, died in his sleep. Tragic loss for the family, totally unexpected. And, uh, and, you know, I just want to be here for him. I'm not even planning on staying around very long. You know, I'm only going to be here for a couple hours, meet some people in the family that I've heard so much about all my life, I just, all my life, but for uh, 15 years. And uh, and then I'll be going home. To my knowledge, Wolf has no idea that uh, that I'm here. Uh, none whatsoever. So I... Uh, uh, it'll be entertaining if he ever watches this episode. Uh, that'll be funny. That'll be funny when he knows uh, about my trip and uh, and how weird it is. So here's the weirdness of of my trip. I uh, I got to I got to the airport three beers early, so that was nice. That was nice. I normally don't get to an airport early, but I got a lot of work done from home yesterday and thought, well, you know, I, I got nothing else that I need to do. I can make phone calls to potential clients and things like that on the drive. So I, I left and, uh, and then I sat there and it was really weird. Um, when I'm waiting to go onto the plane, but just sitting in the, uh, in the terminal area, I, I flew out of terminal four. There's this woman, she saw the hat I've got on right now, my, uh, my Bobcats hat. And, uh, and she said, uh, my, my daughter went to school there. And I said, Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I'm sure she's very wealthy and, and, and amazingly independent. And she kind of laughed and she goes, well, she is. I'm like, yeah, see, go Bobcats, even though I, I, I am not. And, uh, and then so she was talking with me for a little bit. And then this other man just decided to jump into the conversation. So now he's t- uh, conversing with us as well. And uh, he, he didn't really add anything to the conversation, to be honest. So uh, I'm in zone six. So I, of course, board uh, reasonably late. And when I get to my seat, the man that I that had joined the conversation was in the window. I was on the aisle. He was in the window. So, okay. So then uh, he says something to me, and then that was it. And then that was the end of the conversation. 
and uh, I start getting my stuff out. I get headphones out. Uh, I try to wear these big bulky headphones on a plane because I don't want anybody talking to me. And uh, and then a woman, younger woman, maybe 20, 24, something like that. Uh, she uh, comes up to me and she says, I'm, I'm in the middle. And I said, OK, so I get out. She sits down. No, no worries. And then all of a sudden, the guy in the window looks at me and says, were you the guy I was talking to out there? Now, how often are you in a 15, 10, 15 minute conversation with somebody? And then five to six minutes later, you ask that someone, was I talking to you out there? (laughs) But he did. And I said, yeah. So now he's talking to me over this woman, this woman sitting there and he's just blabbing away with me. I said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I, I got sick of it. and I just said, have a good flight. You know, and I put my headphones on. Like, what am I going to do? You can't just say, okay, dude, we're done here. I'm not going to sit here and have, uh, you're a boring conversationalist, and I'm not going to talk over this woman. So there you go. So that's the end of that. I do a little bit of work on the plane, and then my daughter's a huge Marvel fan. And I, so I just want to be a good dad um, and be involved in what she likes, even though I'm not really into Marvel. So I had downloaded all of the Lokis. I haven't watched that Loki series that's on Disney Plus. So I downloaded all the Lokis and I was going to watch as many of them as I could going um, to Cleveland. Well, I guess for the first like hour of the flight or so, the guy kept talking. And, and at one point, the woman, uh, she kind of taps me and she goes, do you want to switch seats? And I, I didn't know what was going on. And I said, no, well, you know, I'm like, I'm, out, I'm on the aisle for a reason. And she goes, well, I didn't know if you guys wanted to carry on this conversation. And I didn't even realize the guy had never stopped talking. <laughs> now, I'm not talking. I'm not like I'm not saying for an hour straight, but he occasionally would start talking to me, thinking I was paying attention to a word he said. And I, I didn't know. So then. Uh, I, I just told him, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I have, and this is true. I said, I have terrible hearing. Um, I, I spent a lot of years wearing headphones. I have terrible hearing. So there's no way with the plane noises, I'm going to be able to have a conversation. And he goes, Oh, okay. Okay. So that's that part of the story. I think, you know, life's back to normal. And I guess since he couldn't talk to me, he just started talking to her. So he's talking to her, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't pay attention. And I think she's getting sick of it. And she leans over to me and kind of bumps me. I take my headphones off and she says, can you help me? Now, I don't know about you, but when somebody says, can you help me on a plane? I just naturally looked at her computer. I just naturally, I mean, her computer was up. I just naturally look at it as if, I don't know if it was the dad in me thinking it's a math problem. I don't, I don't know what I thought, but I looked at her computer and it was the strangest moment of my life. The woman had a vagina up on the screen. <laughs> now, it wasn't a human real you know, picture. It was a diagram. And I just looked at it. And I said, uh, uh, <laughs> I, like, what? Uh, yeah, I have two kids. I, I don't like, what do you say? And she was she probably says, just a, a, a gynecologist or something. Well, Maybe look at you, Jelly. That was fantastic of you. She, uh, she, she looks at me and she says, "This guy is driving me crazy." I, I said, "What's driving you crazy?" Like I can't get out of my head what I just looked at. And she says, "This guy's driving me crazy. He just keeps talking." I, can you? Can we? Can we do something? Or and, and I, I said, I said, 
just just be brave and tell them that you've you've got something very important that you've got to work on here and i pointed at the screen and then it kind of hit her why i couldn't talk very well and she started laughing and she goes oh my gosh i'm i'm so sorry i am a uh she said uh I'm a resident gynecologist, something like that. But she's she's studying up on on becoming a gynecologist, and she so she wants to be an OBGYN. She's in the middle of some level. I forget. You know, I didn't pay attention. I was so distracted. You can't imagine a woman saying, "Can you help me?" And you look at and like, "Oh my God, where is this going to go?" And I had no idea what was happening. And then she uh, eventually told the guy that. Uh, She's watching some important videos, but then I guess she trusted me because she turned the computer a little bit because it was like, I don't want you to see what I'm studying. So she didn't want him to like make comments or questions about it. So she turned to me. So seriously, for the next 15 to 20 minutes, I'm trying to watch my screen and there's, it was interesting, actually. I mean, there's just this part and this part and they, I don't, that was my, that was, that was, that was my flight. So how are you? It just, that doesn't happen to anyone else. How many times have you ever flown and had a gynecological student, did I just make that up, a gynecologist, uh, how would you want to say that, a potential OBGYN sitting next to you studying? It's just not normal. And uh, and that was that was that was a little different Then the Cleveland airport. Oh, my gosh, what a disaster. What a disaster. So the you have to rent a car, I think, to, to get to the car rental place. It was crazy how long this bus ride was. Even worse, there are zero signs in the Cleveland airport on how to rent a car. Now, there's the typical sign that says ground transportation. But once you get to the bottom floor, there's no signs anywhere that says rental car shuttles. A- anywhere at all. It was asinine. Plus, there's probably about eight, maybe maybe seven baggage claim trains, and I and I just check. I didn't check a bag, but there's about seven maybe baggage. Well, the flight I was on, we were on like one or two carousel, and and on one side, and that's where we walked out of. You have to walk all the way past all eight of the baggage claim areas, and I'm just I keep walking in and out of every door. I walk outside to look for a rental car sign, don't see it. Walk back inside walk down to the next door, and I'm just zigzagging in and out. Finally, the last uh, baggage claim train had somebody down there working it for a different airline. And I just said, I'm so sorry to bother you. I- I'm renting a car. And he goes, well, you can't do that here. And I'm, big sign. That, I mean, what an idiot. Big sign that says frontier baggage claim. Okay. <laughs> I see the sign. And then he says, you can't do that here. Well, Thanks, tough guy. And he goes, go down to the double doors, bay three. All right. So I keep walking. It feels like another block that I finally get to these doors. And for the first time ever, there's a sign that says rental car shuttle. And it says straight down, pointing at these double doors. So it took that long for me to figure to find one sign in the Cleveland airport. Then you get out there and they have all of these bays. And luckily he said bay three. Because there's no sign that says rental car pickup bay three. You just keep walking until you get to the sign that says this is the rental car shuttle. So I get on the rental car shuttle and uh, I, I look like an idiot because I'm wearing shorts, flip flops and a trench coat. It's it's like 48 degrees here in Cleveland and raining. 
So I knew it was going to be bad. So I brought my trench coat to wear over my suit. And But then I didn't have any other coat. And I wasn't getting into my suitcase to pull out a sweatshirt. So I'm just, I'm wearing a trench I mean, just like, I can't imagine what people are thinking. That's the guy. He's wearing a trench coat. And that was the guy looking at vaginas on the plane. So I, anyway, so I, I get on and, and eventually we get to this rental car place that takes forever. And then how typical is this? There are about six or seven rental car companies in this one rental car location. Every single rental car place has two people working at it, except Avis. Who is it from? Avis. And then there's a line of, luckily I was first in line, but there's a line of people behind me. Now, when I say first in line, there was no one in line, but there was a guy up there at the counter. This guy was having a whale of a time. So it took about 15 minutes before, maybe 20 minutes before he was done, before I ever got to go up and uh, and get something. So then they put me in a Tacoma, which is funny because I'm not a truck guy. So I, I have this Tacoma today, and then I'm staying at a La Quinta. And I am the type of person that if I'm with the family, I want to stay at a nicer hotel. When I'm by myself, I, I don't care. I don't care. Well, now I officially care. I, this is the first time in my life. I don't know if I was, it's, I'm getting older or what. I drive around a neighborhood around the airport. There's houses all over the Cleveland airport. I drive around just into some back neighborhoods, and I end up at a La Quinta that's next to an enormous bus stop. I mean, a park and ride, huge RTA is the name of the bus company uh, station. There are huge fences all around the La Quinta huge fences <laughs> and so that's that made me go oh what am i doing here yet there's no fence across the opening so anybody can still walk right into the front so i don't know why you have these huge fences when you have easy access into the parking lot then there's a guy that has this jacket on it says security who's standing out front to watch who comes in and out guy's 80 to 270 pounds <laughs> It's like, what, what is this guy going to do? Like, really, what is this guy going to do if somebody breaches the wall? Okay, come on. So then I walk inside. There's two people sitting at a counter. I'm assuming they're married. This woman, I don't know what she's doing. She's watching TV on her phone, even though there's a TV on the desk. And she has her phone literally right in front of her the whole time. And she's not paying a bit of attention. And you, she, she has zero facial expressions. Like she never moves her face. She never reacts. She never laughs. I hear people in the, in the uh, studio audience laughing at whatever TV show she's watching. But she never cracks a smile. She doesn't do any of that. And then the guy says, are, are we all watching? Are we all watching this? And then she like turns it down, <laughs> but she never moved. She never moved, but boom, boom, boom. And then went back like that and didn't change her facial expression whatsoever. So he signs me in great. Now, for those of you that are non-smokers, you know how just cigarette smoke makes your face and your tongue and your eyes burn. It's just awful. This room is supposedly a non-smoking room. It smells horrific. I think it's a smoker washing the sheets smell. So that was miserable. The pillows are great, but oh my gosh, the smell in here is just awful for me. So I'm kind of going crazy. And then I sit in the chair to start Doug Franz Unplugged today. And I said, oh, this chair is uncomfortable. Let me kind of move the uh, seat arrangement a little bit. And then, and then the handle came off right in my hand. So here's the handle to the chair I'm sitting in. Uh, and that's... Uh, that's pretty much my uh, 
my trip. How are you today? Hopefully your Wednesday uh, going okay, and and hopefully uh, hopefully your kids can get their studying done of body parts not on on the plane. Uh, sound credits today, MLB PR department and MLB.tv sent us a, a bunch of Diamondback stuff. Suns PR sent us Frank Vogel and um, I got one. Do I, oh, yeah, that's, all, that's what I have is, brand, uh, is Frank Vogel. And then I'm working on trying to get some stuff from azcardinals.com, but I haven't sent anybody, Jeff Weir Production or CEO Chris, an email on it yet. So I don't know if we'll, uh, if we'll get to any of that. And I don't know when my voice will flame out because I have no water. So that's that's everything that's going on. It's time for or no, wait a minute. Let's roll. Doug's big one. A little flustered today. Doug's big one today is the fear of going back to Los Angeles. Okay, can't go back to L.A. Dodgers would easily win Game Five, in my opinion, if it goes back to L.A. We got to take care of business here at Chase Field, and I I don't think they're going to win today. I, I mean. It's my job to tell you what I think. I said Diamondbacks in four at the beginning of this series. I do think the Diamondbacks win tomorrow. But if we have a chance, and and most of this is is my non-belief in Brandon Fought at this point in his career. I think he's got great stuff. I think he's eventually going to get it. But right now, I think this stage is huge for him. It's a little too big for him. The one nice thing, and let's talk about the advantage is that Lance Lynn is going for the Dodgers. And even though he's experienced, and even though at one point in his career, he was one of the better pitchers in all of Major League Baseball, he's really had a terrible year. And so if the Diamondbacks offense can keep rolling the way they have, then I think we're going to get them. Then we can get them. But this is, this is just one of those games where the Dodgers might go off. My big opinion today is for you directly, for those of you that are going to the game, it is a sellout. Great job, Diamondbacks fans. I admit I don't know how many tickets were sold to Dodger fans. I don't know the split. I can imagine the arrogance of Arizona Dodgers fans were probably such that they thought this was going to be the game that they sweep the Diamondbacks. And uh, just a second. Yeah, the voice is going to have a problem without water. Um, and, And therefore... There's probably a lot of Dodger fans that are going to be there because they were thinking they could watch the Dodgers jump in the pool. They could watch the Dodgers celebrate. And now it's the exact opposite. So I think we're all hoping. Okay, we're all hoping. But the key for today is just Brandon fought being able to stay with it. And I'm going to put something on you as a fan base. Doug's big one is pay attention to everybody around you. I know this sounds cheesy, but stay positive. Stay positive today. I realize there's going to be a lot of Dodger fans. Stay positive. Brandon fought, walk somebody, tell him let's go, okay? If he gets into a bad jam and there's two outs and uh, and he gets a couple strikes on somebody, man, stand up. I mean, start making the noise that you are seeing in other stadiums right now. Be the difference. Be the guy in the crowd that actually wills the Diamondbacks to a win. I know that sounds ridiculous, okay? These are professional athletes. But when you look at how young these guys are, so many of the players on this team, and on top of it, where they've been by winning two games in Milwaukee, by winning two games in L.A., they're undefeated in the postseason, and they've never even seen Chase Field yet. This is going to be a dramatically different thing because one of the things that happens in the postseason, and as a fan, I'm not apologizing for it, but just to let you know, sometimes there's pressure being the home team because you know you're supposed to win your home games. Then 
if you start to trail, if things don't go very well, now the crowd starts getting on you and that adds to the pressure and the fans start booing a little bit because they're frustrated. And the Diamondbacks, let's face it, just about every big crowd this year they've had a chase field, the Diamondbacks have lost. And they've lost bad. They, they did stupid things, okay? This is going to be that game where let's use Doug Franz Unplugged to complain, okay? Let's get frustrated through other means. Let's not use the actual field for it. Let's not show our frustration at that moment, if we can. Let's be unbelievable positive. Uh, Rick Ankiel was an old pitcher for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. And pretty good, pretty good. And then lost it. Just mentally lost it. Was throwing to the backstop on the fly. Was throwing fastballs straight into the dirt. Was just terrible. And after struggling and struggling and struggling, he walked off the mound knowing that he was probably going to get sent down and never pitch again. And as he left the field, Cardinals fans erupted in applause, just either encouraging him to get back soon or, or telling him it's okay. You know, who knows what their power, what they were trying to do. And Rick Ankiel fought like crazy and battled back and was a very good out, not very good, but, but a good outfielder and had a good Major League Baseball career and became a good hitter. Think about that. And he, oh, and he stayed with the Cardinals almost his whole career because of that day, because of the way the fans treated him. That meant so much to him. We could do that today, okay? Brandon Fott lets up three runs, and as he's walking off the field, the crowd's cheering, saying, let's go, Brandon, let's go, and letting him know we're right there with him. I think that's going to affect him. I, I really think the crowd is going to have a lot to do with the outcome of today's – I shouldn't say that. I'm sorry. I think the crowd can have a big outcome, a big effect on today's outcome. I'm really worried about that Dodgers offense getting going. Even if the Dodgers win today, one of the things I'm really paying attention to is the top of the lineup. If the Dodgers win and Mookie Betts continues his postseason failure, if Freddie Freeman continues to be below average, then I'm not that worried about game four at all. Because are you telling me the other guys are really going to destroy Merrill Kelly? I don't think so. I think Merrill Kelly will be fine against everybody else. So then they don't have everything they need offensively to knock off Merrill Kelly. If Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman get off today, that might be enough to get them on track. And now, now we've got problems. Not saying we're not going to win. I still say Diamondbacks in four, but then we've got problems. All right, let's get to the, uh, the sound and everything uh, that I want to look at today for, uh, for the Diamondbacks. Uh, let's start, you know, I, I should have given you an order, Jeff Weir Production, and I didn't. So let's just go in the order that I sent them. So we'll go Tori and then to, uh, to Brandon. And uh, this is uh, Tori. Talk- oh, you know what? Let's flip that. Sorry, Jeff Weir Production. Let's flip that because his first one is about Brandon. So it, it actually would be make a lot of sense to start with Brandon. So give me Brandon Fought one, and then we'll go straight down in order on Tori after that. Brandon Fought, this is kind of a... a a little bit of a longer quote, like when I say longer, it's only 30 seconds, but Brandon doesn't like to talk that much to the media. But Brandon was asked about his trips down to the minors and what he talked about when he was in the minors, what he worked on, and how he was able to get back up and now be the number three pitcher for the team. Um, I, think, I think both times, uh, going down, coming back up, has been an adjustment. Uh, there were some adjustments made both times I went down and Coming back up, 
the results got better and better every time. So I think that just speaks volumes to the coaches down there and the development. Um, one big adjustment was moving to the first base side of the rubber, um, just kind of helping those pitches tunnel better, um, some little stuff like that. What a lot of pitching analytics have been able to decipher is the longer pitch A looks like pitch B, the harder it is for the batter to distinguish between the two. So what that means is if you are pitching on one, like maybe your fastball always looks the same, okay? But your breaking ball, if you pitch from a different side of the rubber, it would take on some characteristics to the eye of the hitter that made it look like the same pitch for a little bit longer, fraction of a second longer. And if it looks like the same pitch, it's a hair harder to distinguish. And then you might be a little bit behind on the fastball or you might be way out in front of a changeup, something like that. So that's what he's talking about in tunneling. Now, he went into, uh, I didn't cut it up for you, or I, I didn't ask Jeff to do it, because there were weird little bits and pieces of a story, and you could only get it if you heard the whole press conference. But he talked about, somebody asked him about um, uh, Coach Strom, the pitching coach, and he said how instrumental that Brent Strom has been to his success this year. And then talked about how he's always thinking of them and you always know where you stand. And then later mentioned an 11 o'clock in the evening phone call over the All-Star break where he had gone back home to Kentucky. He was sitting with his, in his parents' house talking to his parents. And then he looks at his phone and he goes, huh, I wonder what Brent Strom wants. <laughs> That's kind of funny. And then they started talking about the which side of the mound to go on a little bit more on tunneling and said, here's what we're going to change if you're up for it when you get back uh, when you get back to uh, to baseball after the All-Star break. And he was okay with it. And then it was interesting to learn how much Brent Strom was in communication with him while he was in the minors, read the reports, but then would also reach out to make sure that Brandon Fox's game is growing. And they did tell him, get ready. We're getting you set to be a postseason picture, a pitcher this year. They were already talking about the postseason to him. So I thought that was cool. So then here is the conversation with Tori Lovello when simply asked, how does he plan on using Brandon Fott since he pulled him pretty early against Milwaukee? Probably not. I'll read and react. I think I've been telling you guys that uh, each time. And I've, I've been fairly consistent with that with that statement i took zach off the mound with 84 pitches yesterday um i we got to win baseball games and, and we got to separate um this time from middle of july um <clears throat> i think what happened in milwaukee was maybe some sequencing there were several fastballs in a row he had just he he, he didn't get into his mixture of pitches and that's what hurt him but him striking out the side in, in the bottom of the first inning which was a huge win for us and kept the score where it was uh, but I think overall he's got to have a better mixture of pitches. And I'll read and react. And if it's one time through or two time through, I don't know. I'm just going to try and make the best decision I can to make this uh, to help this team win a baseball game. This is where it's it's really easy to talk about and very hard to do. You're a young pitcher. Your fastball has gotten people out for years, your whole life really, and. You are one that is a strikeout machine in double-A baseball. So you're a professional baseball player, and you strike people out. And you get to the majors, 
and you don't strike people out. What's going on? You know, with, with the same regularity, of course, he has some strikeouts. And when he gets into trouble, he becomes fastball reliant. Well, the whole goal of a hitter is to be able to narrow down what you're going to throw. And for a guy that's fastball dominant to be behind in the count, he's going to throw, guess what, fastballs. And that becomes easier to hit because the batter knows you're coming at me with fastballs because you don't believe in your breaking stuff. You know your breaking stuff is going to be a ball, so why am I going to chase it? You've got to prove that you can throw your breaking balls for strikes in fastball counts. Then I'll worry about your other pitches. So far, Brandon Fott has not been able to do that. So when Tori Lovello says he's got to be able to mix up his pitches better, that's so easy to say. But the catch is he can't fall behind. And if it means he can't fall behind, that means he's got to be able to throw breaking balls and his slider for strikes, get that strike, so therefore the hitter doesn't know what's coming later on in the at-bat. If you're going to go fastball early, then you've got to understand you're going to need to mix it up. So go ahead. Go ahead and go fastball early. But if you do it too often, now you're going to be either behind in the count or give up hits early in the count. I think they're just sitting dead red. I don't think the Dodgers are necessarily coming up saying, I'm going to be tremendously patient. I think what they're saying is we're swinging at the fastball. I don't think they're going to give – they're not even going to look at the breaking pitches until we get to the second, third, fourth inning. And if Brandon is landing those for a strike, then finally they'll make the adjustment. But that's going to be the key today is going to be getting ahead of hitters, and that's, that's the key for every pitcher, but then comes the how. And the how is making sure that his breaking stuff, his uh, slider, he can throw that for strikes early in the count to then put the hitters, um, a, 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 have them, I'm sorry, have them a little more defensive. I, I, have a, I have notes up. I want to do this. I want to do this. Here's the four-minute offense. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this. I just looked over at my notes, and it just said vagina. <laughs> I just... I'm going to move that off the screen. There's no picture, though. No diagram on this. Um, Okay, the last time the Diamondbacks played at Chase Field in the postseason was the Archie Bradley triple game. Well, wait, that's not entirely true. No, it is. Okay, that is not true. That's what somebody said, and I I, got to think about it for a second, because I believe that Dodgers series, I don't think it was – I think the Dodger series was best of five, so they had to have had a game in in Phoenix. Um, so I got that wrong. Um, but the last win at Chase Field was the Archie Bradley triple in the wild card game against the Rockies. And for a lot of people, it was one of the most electric atmospheres in Chase Field history. Now, those of you that were at any of the 2001 postseason games, I'm assuming you disagree with that. But... That's what I was told by a lot of people. <clears throat> Sorry about that. When it came to the game at Chase Field uh, against the Rockies. So, uh, Tori Lovello, of course, manager for that game in his first year as a manager. Tori, what, did, what do you remember when somebody talks about that game? What pops to your head? Sold out stadium, uh, an energy that I, I don't necessarily feel here every single night. Um, and. Probably, I think we played one of our finest games that day. I think our guys were ready to go. Um, yeah, I remember, I just remember a lot of extra base hits and a lot of excitement and the, cloud, the crowd was, was 
backing us. And I'm really excited to see what type of crowd we have here tomorrow. We lost you, Doug. Ah, there we there go. We go. No, I got you. That was all. That was all my fault. I started coughing during uh, Tori Lavello, and I muted my own mic. So I was thinking, where, 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 why can't I hear me anymore? Oh, that big red light's on. Uh, anyway, yeah, it was, it was like very strange. Like I forgot that I, I hit mute because I also thought I was going to get up and try to just drink out of the sink, which is gross. But I was going to do it anyway, and then forgot that I had I had muted it. So I'll kind of get back to the day job here. So. With that, it, it's something you can't underestimate. They can't talk about this because it's offensive to fans and people would get all bent out of shape. But the Diamondbacks players and coaches have a real hard time. Think about this. Everywhere, almost everywhere they go, there's really good baseball crowds. Then they come home and we don't have that. Okay. We don't have a good fan base. I'm not questioning those of you that are Diamondbacks fans. And I know like a general Tom, who's a season ticket holder, those of you that are season ticket holders, I'm not coming after you. I'm looking at a county like Maricopa County and a state like Arizona with 6 million people. And we're just asking for one hundredth of 1% to come to games. And that doesn't happen. We're talking about games down the stretch where there were 11,000 people in the stands. Those players, that's what they're used to. That's what they know. Go somewhere else, hear loud fans, come here to Chase Field, get nothing. And that's a comment right there by Tori that's strong, that it's still, wow, it's about the crowd. Because when the crowd does get behind them, it is so drastically different. And that's something that even Corbin Carroll talked about. Corbin Carroll was unbelievably boring in his press conference, but one of the things that he actually elaborated on is how many people have told him about that wild card game and how great it was. And then he was at the Team USA, Team Mexico World Baseball Classic game at Chase Field that was legendarily loud. And he goes, wow, I, I didn't know it could get like this. I mean, think about that. He's played his entire rookie season. He's never heard a crowd like that in Chase Field. So this is a big deal today on what's going to happen, especially when you consider, again, the point I made previously, how many Dodger fans more than likely bought tickets thinking this would be the day that they, uh, that they sweep. Uh, speaking of, of Corbin Carroll, here is Tori Lovello when asked about the demeanor of Corbin Carroll never changing and this calmness, this aura, like he's got everything under control all the time. I think he has an inward confidence that he was born with. His preparation and his, his, the intensity of his preparation has, has prepared him for this moment. There is a certain degree of mental toughness that we all see from where I am every single day that maybe the common fan just assumes that he has. Um, and then there's a focus that's fairly unmatched. So I think when he feels the doubt that everybody feels in any type time of your life or in any type of industry that you're in, I think he stands on what he knows he's good at and he doesn't come off of it. He does remind me a lot of some young players, one, one of which plays for the LA Dodgers because they confronted their limitations head on. So when they stepped into the most critical point in time of the game or the season, they knew that it was no longer a limitation. He's talking about Mookie Betts. 
Mookie Betts was a member of the Red Sox when Tori Lavello was a coach there. And he's very close to Mookie Betts. And so when he says one, one young player who plays for the Dodgers. So, so far, Corbin Carroll has been compared by David Cohn, color analyst on ESPN, and perfect game thrower, Mets, Yankees, Royals, really not, not a Hall of Famer in my opinion, but a great pitcher. He compared Corbin Carroll to Derek Jeter, saying he reminded him of Derek Jeter in his first year. Not the whole career, okay, didn't go there. Just said his demeanor and his production reminds him of a young Derek Jeter. And this is a guy that was a teammate of Derek Jeter. Now we have Tori Lovello saying Corbin Carroll's demeanor, his attitude, his focus reminds him of a young Mookie Betts. We've got him for 10 years. <laughs> it's just incredible. That contract to have that talent here for 10 years. Corbin Carroll, just fantastic fantastic uh whether it become whether whether it's the draft whether it's the development whether it's the upbringing whether it's the individual or yes to all of those things we've got corbin carroll this long and these are the kind of references that are being made about him and then tory was asked more along the lines of corbin carroll but if he is so locked into the games does he miss out on the greatness of corbin carroll or has he become numb to it I know, I know you guys want me to give you this unbelievably, an, unbelievable answer, but I probably could have answered it in June because my jaw was on the ground with what he was doing every single day. The intensity and focus that he had, the amount of home runs that he was hitting, the bases that he was stealing, the plays that he was making, I, I, I just would shake my head in the dugout and I'm like, I don't know how he's doing it, but I'm, I've got a front row seat to it and I'm going to enjoy this ride. And it's just been the same ever since. So maybe he has spoiled me to the level where I come to expect it and it's more natural. But now that he's on a huge stage, right? There's four teams remaining in the National League and we're one of them. I think he goes back to all that preparation. I think he is so mentally strong that he doesn't allow himself to get outside of what he wants to do. And he was nicknamed the machine by our farm director, Josh Barfield, right? I think that should tell you where his mindset is every single day. It's, it is awesome to watch his process. I, the reason why I love that so much is what Corbin Carroll demands of himself. You get nicknamed machine. That's all your focus is. That's, I mean, that means he is focused while at work on nothing but getting better. It is, I think, a mistake of all of us that we have these demands on our athletes. We want, we look at it as, and say, hey, you get to play a game. You get paid millions of dollars. Focus on your job. Do great for us. But we don't hold ourselves to those same standards. I can say for the most part, I do a good job of holding myself to a high standard. However, of course, there's been times where I've been frustrated at other people and I've allowed that to lower the standard for myself, or I've gone into a shell and acted like, because I can only accomplish so much with the tools I've been given that therefore, you know, I, I'm not going to go all in and that can happen. 
That can happen to a lot of people. It's, I know it's happened to, to me quite a few times. And that's a negative. It's a negative of me, and I don't know if the same things happened to you. But think about hearing those words about Corbin Carroll. What can we learn from a guy that's barely drinking, okay? A young player, and he's nicknamed Machine because of his e- eternal focus on what needs to be done for the job. We can learn something from that. That's um, my Diamondback stuff as far as sound is concerned. Game time is at 6.07. Our, our own uh, Jeff Weir production is going to be at the game. And uh, and then tomorrow, there won't be a Doug Franz unplugged. My flight from Cleveland leaves early in the morning uh, Eastern time, and therefore I'll be in the air coming up at 6 in the morning, and I'll be right back on Friday. So I'll be talking about both Wednesday game, and I'm going to the game Thursday. So I'll be back actually in town Thursday morning. Uh, sometime around 11 in the morning, I think I land. I can't remember. I didn't pay attention, actually. But um, – I'm going to Thursday's game, so we'll have complete coverage of that on Doug Franz Unplugged on Friday. However, Thursday here, on, and I'm talking about the podcast, Thursday on WTSM-TV, we're still working on ideas and plans to be able to put somebody here to make sure that the Diamondbacks game gets covered. So please stay tuned, WTSMTV.com, all the way through 6 to 12, both today and tomorrow, to give you the best looks at the Diamondbacks. And hopefully there isn't a need for a game on Thursday, hopefully. But if there is, let's win that game, and we'll wrap it up on Friday. And just let this wash over you. Get ready for the NLCS. Yes. Diamondbacks in the League Championship Series. And this Braves-Philly series might be a knockdown dragout. If, if the Braves are going to be down 4 nothing and win a game to even out the series 1-1, to this thing might go back and forth. This would be fantastic for the Diamondbacks to win today – Maybe you have to push it off and win tomorrow, and then you get the division while the Braves and Phillies have to travel back to Atlanta for Game 5. That's not official yet. If the same team that wins Game 3 wins Game 4, that series is over. But if they can split the two games in Philly, now you've got another game in Atlanta while the Diamondbacks rest and get themselves ready for the NLCS because they'll be the, the, the Diamondbacks have to travel no matter what. If they beat the Dodgers today or tomorrow, they go to Atlanta or they go to Philly, and they won't know where they're going until that series is over. So that's one thing to keep an eye on is you want to get them as much rest as possible because they're going to be the ones that have to immediately get on a plane. All right, that's it for Diamondbacks. Get fired up for them. Coming up next, let's talk Suns, and I'm hoping to get some Cardinal stuff done as well. Still got a lot to go live from my hotel room, which is a dump. This is Doug Frost Unplugged, presented by Whirlwood Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. It's hot. We've had a pretty hot summer here in Arizona. Who can you trust with your air conditioning? There's only one place my family has ever trusted in Arizona, and that's Parker and Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical. Call 602 to repair. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. And the reason why I suggest them to you as passionately as I possibly can is I know they've showed up on time to my home every time. And they've gotten it right the first time every time. And they've treated me fairly every time. 
What else can you say? Plus, they don't charge anything for nights, weekends, emergencies. That means something. Because when your air conditioner goes out in the summer in Arizona, that's an emergency. You need repairs fast. And you can trust Parker and Sons. How do I know? Because my family does. 6022 repair. That's 602, the number two, then R E P A I R for Parker and Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. Thanks for making do with uh, with some of our issues, and our issues are La Quinta oriented with uh, with the bad Wi Fi that's that's here. So we're doing our best and uh, and kind of putting this together. But we just don't want to let you down. Thanks for being a member of the Unplugged Army as we continually grow this thing. How about yesterday? Organic football podcast and hanging with Coop. It's just you. It just gets me jacked up that we keep moving ahead, getting better, getting a little better every day, and then trying to pull something like this off with me broadcasting live. It really means a lot to me, too, with the way CEO Chris and Jeff Weir Production have uh, jumped in and tried to help out uh, Izzy, Isaiah Jackson as well, because you go on a road, you're going to need a lot of people. And yet this was really important to me to be able to uh, to do this. I uh I, I've done it quite a few times in my life where I have gone out to a funeral for someone and the the way people react, I know what it means to them. I'm, I'm not doing it for my own gratification. It's just one of the lessons I've learned. And I would love for you to steal that lesson from me. Um, you know, honestly, this, this trip, uh, it, it wasn't, Jennifer did a great job using some of our credit card miles to be able to make this trip affordable. The thing that stinks is now we don't have those miles for Christmas and uh, we haven't decided if we're going to Ohio or not for Christmas, but that, you know, it hurts to know that that's not on the table now, but I think it's, I think it's the right decision. I really, I've, I've just seen it too often and I know what it means to people when you say your loss is this important to me. Now, for me personally, I don't care if you come to my funeral. I, I'm in a box. I don't care. And I'm not going to be up in heaven looking down counting whether or not somebody's here. But I, I, I do know. I, I, I know my wife and I know my daughters, and it would, it would mean a lot. I don't want to say it would mean a lot to them. I know the overwhelming reaction if they, if they see you know, a lot of people that say, wow, this is the influence my dad had on people, the influence my husband had on people. That would mean a lot to them. I, I, you wouldn't be watching this right now on WTSMTV.com or you wouldn't be listening and, and joining the Unplugged Army if, if the show didn't mean something to you. So I already know how you feel, and I hope I do a good job showing you that appreciation. But I'm looking at it through the eyes of other people, and then that's how I do it when I make these decisions to try to go to uh, viewings or funerals that nobody expects me to, to be at. And again, I would love for you to, to take that idea and say, you know what, you're going to start putting that into your repertoire and making extra effort to slow your own life down 
when somebody else is going through the pain of losing somebody. Let's get into something obviously a little more cheery, but I, you know, I want to be blunt why I'm here. And, uh, and let's get into Suns, not cheery in the sense because they lost 115 to 107. But, you know, honestly, when the Nuggets start their, their championship lineup and the Suns bench Booker and uh, KD and Bradley Beal, I'm okay with an eight-point loss. I, I, I saw the second half. I was still flying uh, and, and going through the uh, wonderful airport uh, rental car shuttle in which you have to rent a car to drive to the rental car shuttle because it's so long it takes to get to the rental car place. But when I got into the hotel room, watched the second half, like some of the movement, like some of the things I saw, let's get into Frank Vogel, and I thought he said something really important and this shows you it's going to be a massive work in progress this is a defensive minded guy who has a lot of different defensive coverages and he basically said everything for the beginning was basic showed some signs that they that they're gonna get it and showed some other signs where we've got a lot more practice to get to well definitely not there um, but definitely picking things up too you know it's a new system uh defensive system and, um, you know, th- this team in particular creates a lot of different challenges that we have complex layers to our defense that, you know, we're still in the, uh, you know, base defense phase. <laughs> so we walked through some some of the, the, the coverages this morning and, um, you know, just asked our guys to compete, you know, through those things, even though they're new. It was really quick, so I didn't include it in that soundbite, but Dwayne Rankin, the excellent beat reporter for the Arizona Republic, asked, what were some of those coverages? And he just said, anytime Nokic and Murray had it. (laughs) The Nokic and Murray defense was not necessarily what he wanted, but oh my gosh, that takes so much, so much communication. And to be able to to get that is is a big deal is a huge deal. Oh, sorry about this. Do you mind if I send a text? A um a major uh Cardinals source just sent me a, a text for some information. Oh, okay. 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 Just uh, let me say thanks. I I accidentally hit Thanksgiving. There you go. I normally don't do that on the air, but there's a, a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes with the Cardinals. For the organization, it's not good. For us as a fan base, as the truth comes out, it is good. So I, I got some information for that, and we'll talk about that uh, heavily on, on Friday. We'll talk about that very heavily on Friday, um, the uh, Cardinals information that's going to come out near the end of this week. So please stay tuned to Doug Franz Unplugged and be a part of Friday's show because there's going to be a lot to do, a lot to do. Okay, let me get back to what Frank Vogel was talking about, in which Frank Vogel is, um, you know what, I should, I'm sorry, I should tell this guy. Sorry that I got distracted. This is like highly unprofessional, but at the same time, I mean, you might as well learn the life that I that I that I live. Uh, I'm in Cleveland, going to Dale Wolfley's service. Wolf doesn't know. I'm coming. Sorry about that. I know that that's horribly boring television right now. But what's anybody going to do? I'm sitting in a hotel room by myself texting. Doesn't everybody else do that? 
<laughs> um, uh, but I know that the person that I'm that one of the sources I have is obviously, you know, you, you can't be involved in the Cardinals organization and not feel like Wolf is a friend. So I know that he cares deeply um, about Wolf. So that's why I, uh, I, I went there. But when you talk about defensive coverages with the Suns and what Frank Vogel's defense is so multifaceted, so multi-layered that you've got to get this layer right before you can move to this one, then this layer, then before you move to this one. And that means the beginning of the season might be a little rough, might be really rough, where there's a lot of open people and it'll be easy to say, wait, how did they not cover that guy? But it'll simply be where one person thought he was supposed to double, but no, that didn't. We didn't get to that space on the floor, and that's how stuff like that works. And um, uh, that's one of those special moments where you see it, you fail, you move on, and then you be able to adjust quickly to that. And that's really, really important. So he went deeper into some of the defensive coverages a little bit later. And was and was explaining how those happen. I'll get to that one in a minute, but let's go offense for a second because one of the things that really impressed him was Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen went seven of eleven in game one in Michigan. Didn't shoot quite as well, but really attacked the basket. And Grayson Allen says that Dwayne Wade was his favorite player growing up. So he had developed an attacking, slashing style at Duke and to get the basket in his early years in the league. But then when he went to Milwaukee, he was if he slashed, he got in the way of Drew Holiday and Giannis. So therefore it was more stand outside and spot up. Don't be a slasher. Well, with this group, with everybody slashing, it's like you fit right in, slash, 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 and then give it up and pop back outside. So he's going to be a spot-up shooter if a KD drives, but at the same time, once KD clears the lane, he's free to drive as well. And it seems like Frank Vogel was really impressed with Grayson Allen. And then also, if you didn't see the numbers, Josh Akogi last night, he looked really good. I didn't get to see a lot of him because he didn't play as much in in the uh, in the second half, but uh, Akogi went for seventeen point six boards, three assists, two blocks. He did a lot of things. Here's Frank Vogel on their performance. Yeah, those guys are you know are, are capable ball handlers. Grayson in particular, you know, is really showing me something offensively. Um, you know, especially when those guys are out, you know, he can really carry the load for us. But you know, we when he is on the backside, you know, with those guys scoring, he's going to really give us a different dynamic. Uh, and Joe, Joe as well, shooting the ball with confidence from the perimeter, but also uh, attacking and, you know, his ability to use the space that those three guys create, you know, to attack the basket. You know, he's he's, a, he's an exceptional driver. So um, both of those guys are really going to help us offensively. I am enjoying watching the preseason of the Suns. Normally, I don't care. I really, I admit, I don't care about preseason basketball. I'm enjoying this because you you want to see the chemistry develop with the starting five, the assumption of who's in the starting five, more than likely Josh Jacoby. You want to see then a little bit of the bench rotation, but more importantly to me is the chemistry. And then being able to pick up and learn this defense and get it more complex. Then on top of that, now who's going to make the team? And and how are you going to mesh everybody together? This is going to be one of those seasons where I predict where talent alone carries the Suns to a decent record at the beginning of the year. But it's not quite as electric as we want it to be. 
And then at some point around January, this team just goes off because they've got such a high basketball IQ. They got a lot of smart dudes on this team that it's just going to take a while for them to, to mesh their skills, their strengths into a Frank Vogel system and then develop individual chemistry between the group. And then you'll have natural injuries and stuff like that. I, I do think the Suns are the best team in the NBA when healthy. I admit, I don't like, I don't think the odds are good that they stay healthy. Look at how many games have been missed by so many of the players on this team. It's hard for me to believe that they're just, boom, ready to go and going to be able to carry the load and play 75, 80 games. Man, if I'm wrong and they can, this is going to be lights out from about January 1st through the rest of the year. The last one from Frank Vogel I want to get into I think is one that we can really dig into if you're a hardcore Suns fan and do a deep dive. And it is into what he expects from Nurkic and what he saw from Nurkic positives. And then he drifts into defense a little bit. Yeah, pretty good. Um, we we got crossed up on some of the the, the Joker um, Murray switches, you know, that we want to do and where and where we want to switch. We have a uh, precise rules on that type of stuff. We got crossed off, up on some of that, but um, I thought on the ball he really competed against Jokic. And um, what I really liked is that we were able to go back at him on the other end. You know, I think he drew two fouls on him on post ups and you know played a power post game. You know, which is um, you know, it's not a Jokic thing. It's a opponent's best player thing. We always want to make the opponent's best player defend on the other end, uh, however that looks. And um, I thought Yusuf did a great job of that. So your number one communicator has to be the back end big. And if he doesn't know the defense well enough to communicate, he's a hair hesitant that throws everybody off. They brought him in for defense, for rebounding, and an occasional three-pointer. So he's still got a job to do here. You know, it's still important that he gets this defense down, gets it down quickly, because if he doesn't, we're lost. And you could see at the beginning, Frank Vogel, of that quote, Frank Vogel is talking about, here are the rules, and we broke some of those rules. We're supposed to double when he gets here. Maybe we doubled early. Maybe someone expected the double, and I, and I mean your own teammate, and it didn't come. And now you've given up a driving lane because you thought you were leading him into the double. But it was too early. It's not supposed to happen just yet. Then rotation after the double. What are we taking away? How are we going to move? Some guys are late on that. Some guys don't even know the third rotation, the third part of the defense, that third layer. So they're still stuck on two, and the ball got moved to a point where, hey, we're, we've already moved off of that. All of those things go into basketball defense. And especially at that level. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I, I'm in high school. We had three defenses. All right. We played a 2-3 zone. And if the ball got passed in the middle, we stayed in the 2-3 zone. If the ball got passed to the right, our right, to start the offense, we went into a 1-3-1 trap. And if it got passed to our left, we jumped into man-to-man. So we were hoping you would set up your 2-3, def- your 2-3 offense, your counter, and then all of a sudden we're in a different defense and you don't know what to do. That's what our defense was. Now, that's incredibly advanced for high school, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, That's what we did. Now, think about the pros. In the pros, if you would count every manifestation of defense, not like count it almost like it's an individual play, 
when it's done on top of that base. So if you're in whatever your base it's 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 different than football where you in football you have a base defense and that's funny is you hardly ever play it in basketball you have a bunch of different base defenses and then you have all these offshoots and interpretations and things on how you're going to do it but i would put the number at about 60 different defenses for an nba team they don't run 60 in one game but they're expected to to kind of be on that level for how many times they're going to change things up and 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 what they're going to do against a specific matchup against a specific team so you can see preseason game two how easy it is for Nurkic not to have everything down in this defense and if he doesn't have everything down how's he going to communicate it to everybody else so there's still a lot of work to do defensively the back end of that quote we now hear that and that's going to be an interesting little sidebar for us to watch for the rest of the year who is the other team's best player we now know they want to attack him on the, on the Suns' offensive end. So it's a strategy that, yes, a lot of people employ, but they usually just say it almost as a throwaway line. Listening to what Frank Vogel said, this is a mantra. This is the dogma of the Suns, that if you're the best player, we're going to attack you. And that means either they're going to get a lot of switches to try to get that guy on KD, that guy on D-Book if you're going to hide him. And that's the beauty of the Suns' offense right now, that your offense can actually help your defense dramatically in two ways. One, don't make live ball turnovers, and you have this good of a talented team. That shouldn't happen. And number two, it's going to be hard to hide your great offensive player on defense. Whoever it is, you don't want extending too much energy defensively. The Suns are going to be able to go right at them because they have weapons all over the place. That no matter, like no matter, it, maybe you your your player is going to be guarding Nurkic. Really, you, you get that that's a big. If if your guy's really a two guard or a, a small forward, that's not going to work. So now he's got to guard KD, Bradley Beal, or Devin Booker. Maybe you hide him on Josh Kogi. Bam, screen roll to try to get the switch. Different things like that. They're really going to be able to attack the best player in the case of a 76ers or a Nuggets team when the best player is a big, it'll be, are they really going to feature Nurkic? With all of those weapons, are they really going to feature Nurkic? But that's what he just said. We have expectations that we make their best player defend. And they were having Nurkic go right at him. Now it's possibly a case where have Nurkic go right at him so we can test the theory. If we're playing the Nuggets in the regular season, can Nurkic hold his own? Can he handle being an offensive force against him, against the Joker, in, and then worry about the KD, the Book, and the Bradley Beal points later? And are KD, Book, and Bradley Beal okay with all that? Because remember, every time Nurkic shoots, that means Bradley Beal, that means Devin Booker, that means Kevin Durant did not shoot. Okay, so that ball's either got I got to go in or draw a foul, and that's going to be really important to be able to decipher when do we attack a a Joker or an Embiid in order to get them out of the game. Full well knowing we're putting our fifth best offensive option on the floor with a, with an isolation. Is that the best move? But if you don't do it. And the Joker is going to play 37 minutes foul free, and he's going to end up with 21 points and, and 14 boards. 
So don't you want to at least make him work a little bit? Those are all the things that a coach has to go through and, and a coach thinks about. I find those uh, those discussions fantastic. I, I, I really into those discussions. All right, coming up next. I'm going to get into, oh, by the way, just so you know, uh, Sun's next game is tomorrow night. Tomorrow night in Portland against De- uh, DeAndre Ayton. Back-to-back games against Portland. We'll see how much Ayton plays and see how focused he is against the Suns and see if the Suns care about it. All right, coming up next, I'm going to tell you about the text I received so you understand a little bit more about what's going on with the Arizona Cardinals. And then let's get into some of the sound that we've got from the Cardinals as well. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, live from a hotel in Cleveland on WTSMTV.com. I just realized in all my travels and running around, I haven't done anything for versus Vegas yet. So I got to get, uh, I got to get that done. Man, I, I hate to make a pick when I haven't researched anything. So I got some, uh, I got some work to do uh, to get ready for that. Um, and, and Jeff, we production. Am I right? That was break three, right? That was break three. Yes, sir. Oh, okay, good. So I'll, uh, I'll uh, get to that and then do me a favor and give me uh, uh, a verbal thumb when uh, when we have some uh, Nick Rollis to talk about. It's your thing. Uh, I want to get into Cardinals right now, and I want to let you know kind of uh, what is going on, especially with a lot of media here in town. So some pretty decent national attention with the uh, Dodger series going on. There's going to be a lot of different people here, and uh, that's a perfect time for a story to drop. So I am guessing that coming up tomorrow, there's going to be a major story for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, it might not happen. I, I don't think it'll be a Friday because you normally don't do a big story on a Friday. You normally want to have that on a Thursday so then it gets talked about at work the next day and then people have all weekend to read it. So tomorrow is a good day in which the workplace environment for the Arizona Cardinals is considered very, very poor. And this really started, it's interesting, the Terry McDonough arbitration case that's still ongoing that could have been done a long time ago. The NFL is just embarrassing itself totally with what they're doing to, in my opinion, to Terry McDonough and Sean Kugler. And when I say that, what, what, what I mean by that is if these two men are lying or doing something that's, that's, that they're guilty of that, that, you know, they need the hammer dropped. You, you, I think the NFL would have done it a long time ago. They're going to say, well, we got this exhaustive study. You know, we want to make sure that we do a deep investigation, blah, blah, blah. Get real. Get real. What they're doing is dragging this out to make it worse and worse to hopefully break these two men from their standpoint so they can't afford all of the legal fees. And I, I just think that this is ridiculous what they're doing. Okay. If you really care, Roger Goodell, about getting to the bottom of problems, then. How is this still going on? We're talking about the Monday night game in Mexico City where Sean Kugler is accused of doing something inappropriate to a waitress and you flew him home. He said, we got it. We got to get rid of you. And yet nothing has happened on that. This man still claims his innocence, but you've been you forced him into an arbitration case in the NFL. So you can ruin a man's reputation, force him into arbitration and then drag out the arbitration this long. Come on. And then you look at the Terry McDonough situation when uh, 
you, you already have one member of of the me- media, Kyle, Kyle Odegaard, tweeting out a picture of the actual burner phones that were supposedly collected. If the burner phones that are alleged to be used in the Terry McDonough arbitration case are not real, or you said they were collected as soon as you found that, as soon as you find out about it, how are there still phones out? How does that happen? I mean, if here, here's the thing: if Terry McDonough still has got it, his burner phone, that means you didn't collect them. And and just think about that detail for a second. If you if you don't know what I'm talking about, when it comes to uh, every, you know, actually, Jeff, I don't know if I'll be able to hear you clear as day. So if you do get the sound, just do me a favor and text me. Um, but if we look at this case, so this was the case where Terry McDonough is receiving all kinds of positive reviews from his uh, um, from his boss, from Steve Kime, gets a contract extension. OK, thanks. Gets a contract extension, then is immediately uh, at some point banned to be watching games from the press box. It was so weird. Why is Terry McDonough in the press box with me watching games? And yet you're supposedly the assistant general manager of the team. And then his role was more and more diminished all the time. That means something had to have happened. But why wouldn't you just fire him? I mean, if he's doing that bad of a job that you don't want him in the box anymore and you don't want and you lower his responsibilities, that was a little overmodulation there. Pod my mic down. Then why didn't you just get rid of him? Unless you were afraid of what he knew. Were you afraid of what he knew? Is that why you didn't want to fire him? You had to keep him close. And then he claims to have a burner phone. Well, if the burner phones, you admit it. If you don't remember this, in an actual statement, the Cardinals admitted that they found out about a burner phone scheme to get around the suspension so they could still talk to Steve Kime. As soon as Michael Bidwell found out about this, it's claimed that he immediately had all of the phones confiscated. Then how did one get away? I mean, that, that's something that makes no sense. If you were so abhorrent to the, the, the cheating, if you thought this is so terrible that you've got to have everybody's phone right now, why did you not take the phone of Terry McDonough? I mean, how, how, how does that work? I mean, if, if this burner phone thing was true, which you admitted to be true, but not on your watch. It wasn't something that you were involved in, Michael Bidwell, at all. Wouldn't you have done whatever it takes to make sure that that phone is confiscated for for the, the league's purposes, for the rights of the, uh, of or just for simple righteousness? If you really are that concerned, you would have made sure everybody turned in their phone and you would have fired Terry McDonough immediately. If he, if he refused to turn in the phone, you would have fired him. It doesn't make any sense that he would still have the phone. <laughs> I mean, how does that happen? How did you not get that phone when you said you collected all the phones immediately upon hearing this was happening? Come on. So I'm so sick of the arbitration because I know they're just dragging this out. Well, as part of that original suit, one of the things that got out in the public was a survey that I have independently verified. I can tell you that this survey actually happened, that they had a workplace survey in which Michael Bidwill was just ripped by the staff in an anonymous survey and that the culture there was down. It was draining. It was very difficult, things like that. And then as soon as that came out, well, then Michael pulled all the follow-ups according to this arbitration case that he ended the survey. So he didn't like hearing that nobody on the staff particularly cared for his attitude. 
and he didn't want to hear that. So then there's no more survey. So you show that you actually show everybody we're starting to change here with the Cardinals. We're going to be a better organization. How do you feel? What are the things we can do? And then you don't like the answers. He's oh well, then never mind. <laughs> Come on. Well, with that, that got a lot of people asking questions. That got a lot of people asking questions about Michael Bidwell uh, berating and embarrassing pregnant women that while they were on the job, according to uh, some different reports and, and, and according to sources that have told me things like this. Well, this story is going to come out this week. I actually thought it was going to come out today. Um, and so I was like, oh, no, I don't want to be away when this story comes out. But I'm now betting it's going to come out tomorrow. So you have a lot more media in Phoenix and you get it out, making sure it comes out before Friday. So I'm still, I can't wait to watch the Cardinals-Rams game this weekend. I almost guarantee you there's going to be a camera put into a club seat section, and it's going to be a celebration by the paid NFL paid-for broadcasters. They're really paid for by the networks, but the networks suck up to the league, in which it's going to be, oh, how awesome is this? All the Cardinals employees on a road trip coming to Los Angeles, and Michael Bidwell flew them out. They had a, uh, and then they also had dinner Saturday night. What a great trip for, for everybody involved, the Cardinals staff coming out when – it's really just a setup so you don't read the article or you don't find out what a lot of the employees truly think. So we'll see uh, what we can do to be able to talk about that really heavily on Friday. Let's get to the actual sound that we have for uh, for everything that's going on with uh, with the Cardinals. I just pulled some Nick Rollis. Drew Pedzing is, I think, one of the smartest guys in football, the offensive coordinator, but his press conferences are unbelievably boring. So he just repeats the same thing uh, over and over again. Now, that's the art of doing a press conference, but you don't really learn anything. I feel like we can learn some things from Nick Rollis. So here's him talking about everything that Jamar Chase did and what they need to do to fix it. Yeah, you know, I thought other than a few plays, we did a good job of limiting the big play. Obviously, there was the, the post can't, can't allow that to happen. Um, and a couple other ones that went for, you know, just under 20 yards, you got to limit those. Uh, they did a good job of getting him the ball fast in space through screens, through quick bubbles, through quick game slants. And so, you know, we got to do a better job as coaches of having a plan not just to try to eliminate you know those big plays, but also just getting those playmakers touches in general. Um, but yeah, you know, hats off to them. They they had a great plan. They did a good job of executing their plan, and um, we got to reflect on what we can do better as coaches or how we can execute better collectively, coaches and players. It was it was interesting. Okay, he said, okay, we, we did a good job limiting the big play, except for the big play. Okay, that, that's kind of funny. What I didn't like, and the reason why I wanted to play that one for you, is I understand when he says we wanted to eliminate the big play. They played very soft coverage. Okay, press man is when you have the corner right up against uh, Jamar Chase and you're trying to get a jam. That, slow, that throws off timing patterns. It makes it harder to complete passes in the flat and those quick outs. However, it's easier to get burnt by the big play. So what's really embarrassing about the Cardinals game plan is it was all designed to stop the big play, and A, they gave up the big play, and B, he had 15 receptions and you never adjusted. 
There was never a moment in this game where the team decided we're going to step up and close that gap. We're going to play press man to try to screw up the timing patterns, and we're going to make sure there's a safety over the top, and we're going to double team him. Okay, you don't usually just flat out double team guys, but yes, we're going to totally put a bracket on him in which Clark, you're going to travel everywhere. Wherever he goes, you're going to be there. And then wherever he is, there's going to be a safety over the top and you're going to jam him at the line. The corner will. You're going to jam him every time. Okay, fine. You decide not to do that. I disagree with that, but fine. You decide not to do it. You decide to allow Joe Burrow to get into a rhythm. I would have said that's a mistake, but okay. After it's proven you were dead wrong on how you handled Jamar Chase, I don't understand why nothing changed. I think that's a major mistake on the part of Jonathan Gannon and Nick Rollis. If they were speaking off the record to me, I bet you they would say, Doug, do you realize there's never a point in an NFL game where we can make a trade? We can't trade for Darrell Revis at halftime. Okay? So when you want us to adjust, here is the plan. We know... That guy is better than our guys. Okay? We know that. So, therefore, we're going to make sure that we always put them in a position to not get beat deep. The worst thing can be them getting burnt. So, out of every horrible option there is, we're going to have to choose the soft coverage option to make sure that he's getting seven, eight yards a, a shot instead of getting 30, 40 yards a shot. Okay. I understand what you're trying to say, but at what point when your plan is failing, do you say, okay, at least now that we've established that that's not working, let's change it up. Maybe we can get a pass rush going. In the few times they took a deep drop, Dennis Gardek got pretty good pressure. All right, not great, but pretty good pressure on Joe Burrow. And, oh, by the way, even though Joe Burrow declared himself the healthiest he's been all year, he's still trying to come back from that calf injury. You allowed a guy trying to come back from injury to get into a rhythm because of your soft coverage. That doesn't make a lot of sense. I thought that was a really bad game plan. Now, the results show I'm right, and it's easy to say, hey, Doug, you're brilliant. Guy has 15 receptions, almost 200 yards and three touchdowns, and here you are saying, bad game plan. Yay me. Okay, I'm a pretty brilliant dude. But the point is, I... I don't understand why it started that way, but it really showed a major flaw that it stayed that way. Uh, the next one is an interesting point because Keetro Clark um, didn't spend the whole time out on the field, that there was a lot more uh, um, Antonio Hamilton out there. And the question is why? What was going on? What, what, where are we at with Clark versus Ham? You know, that's, again, like a week-to-week thing we always talk about. Um, I feel really good about both Ham, Keytrell, any of those guys going out there and playing at a high level. And we wanted to we wanted to get those guys contributing. If we feel like guys can help us win, you really want the more guys playing um, because then, you know, your fresher um, guys, when they do have to go in the lineup, they've played. And so that was just something that, you know, week to week we talk about how roles can change. And it just, that's what we decided for last week. The thing is there, he's softly saying, oh, we just want a lot of guys to play. You know, hey, we want to mix it up. We know we're going to need a full team. We blah, blah, blah. No, that, that's that's a way to say we benched Clark and we didn't want to say it. And and it's not a terrible thing. It's the job's not getting done. Let's see. Let's give somebody else a chance. I love that. That's a, that's a positive. When we talk about not making adjustments, that's an adjustment that they made. So we've got to give them credit for that. But it shows you 
just really to me, this really highlights how bad of a job Steve Kime did. Number one, that Hamilton bounced around uh, most of his career and wasn't able to really um, do much and, and be successful in in any way so he's not that successful as a player playing for uh, other teams and then in that struggle he then eventually ends up with uh, a situation where he gets to the cardinals and oh boom you can stay we we don't have enough people here that are good enough to knock you out of a job so now you could say he becomes a starting corner last year then you draft a rookie well as opposed to rookies you don't draft i guess you know, that's true. You don't really draft all rookies, but as, as opposed to every draft pick being a rookie, hello, but you draft a player, start him as a rookie, and he starts over Hamilton in the first year that we don't have Steve Kime as part of the organization in years. That shows you how bad this franchise has been other than the Patrick Peterson pick at selecting corners. Now, the free agent signing of Antonio Cromartie was fantastic. And I, you know, I don't like to uh, admit what I'm wrong because I don't want to be wrong for you, but I always will when it smacks me in the face. I didn't like that signing uh, way back when. I, I thought Cromartie was washed up, and I didn't know he was that good of a leader. And I'll never forget on the old show, we were interviewing a member of Jets Media who let us know what a film hawk that Cromartie was and how aggressive he was in his film study and how much he worked in practice and what a good leader he was. And that was a mantra that I hadn't heard and I don't think got out in a lot of media circles. And when Cromartie came here, he was exactly what that member of the media said. So I didn't like the signing at first because I had heard all these other things. Then, I, I hate to say it, I get the truth, and, and then it's proven that that was a great signing. But I still need to eat it when I talk about it, because it, it, you know, wouldn't have been that great of a signing at the time uh, if it would have been based on what I had been told. And I was just told things that were dead wrong. Okay. Last one. I think this is important. This is a feel good after I kind of ripped Nick Rollis a little bit today. This is a feel good of him saying, no matter how rough it's getting right now, he still sees a great deal of optimism and no change in work ethic. Yeah. We talked about it the other day of, don't be extreme. Don't be emotional with your decisions. You got to find ways that we have to get better um, schematically, technically, physically, all of it. We got to continue to improve and you got to find what are the what are those incremental changes that you do need to make in order to win those close games because you know they've it, it's the guys have gone out there it's it's not the issue of, of effort or playing with intensity violence um i thought we've we've tackled well um but it's one of those little changes whether that's the plan or the execution of the plan that we need to do to get better and if you keep doubling down on that and believing in it and being convicted then you will start to see those results the reason why i i, I do like that one is you have to have that attitude in order to be able to get anywhere. You have to have that attitude, especially with how bad this is going to be. And he sounds like he's being legit. We'll find out whether or not it's true throughout the next few weeks. But I thought that was, you know, if I'm going to rip a guy, I want to make sure that I'm going fair, too, and let him have an opportunity to uh, to be positive about where they're going. All right, coming up next, I got the main event with Steve McCollum. going to spend some time with us. And, uh, and then I've got versus Vegas, and I'm looking up right now, if you don't mind, to make sure I have, have my research and analytics straight 
before I open up my uh, my big mouth. That's all coming up next. Thanks for watching. Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club, the Wild Horse Pass. When I'm on the road, hopefully this uh, this great view of a ceiling fan is good. <laughs> this is WTSFTV.com. It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. If you're having a hangover, a bad day, even a good day, still get your burrito at Burrito Express. It will make you feel better. Burrito Express started with my father about 25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old. And I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Again, big thanks to uh, Jeff Weir Production, CEO Chris, trying to make this work. All CEO Chris's idea, and I, and I guess it worked pretty well. Um, being uh, on my phone internet all the time because we, we dumped off of the La Quinta internet because it was just so trashy. This is this is such a scary place. So if I don't make it back alive, Steve McCollum, host of four hours of the main event every weekday morning from this point forward here on WTSMTV.com. Are you ready for a four hour show, Steve? Uh, yeah, sure. I can do it. Can't be that hard. <laughs> <laughs> for for life now because uh, <laughs> yeah. if somebody scales the well, fence outside i don't know how well i'm the, gonna do the only good thing about staying at a la quinta is there's a denny's right beside it so you're good to go oh, that's usually true and i know i get a bus stop next to me and that's yeah. it welcome to cleveland yeah uh it was uh, <laughs> but the, the nice manufactured housing everywhere was uh was uh yeah. was a uh, was a thing you, of beauty you get so, down, uh, i i'm you now get a down, up snob yeah you get down into downtown cleveland it's nice with all the architecture and all that stuff you know yeah. but there's a reason why cleveland's called the mistake by the lake yes 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 Very it is uh, it is a scary place other than the flat so hopefully i uh, i make it out alive and hopefully my rental car is uh, is still downstairs i'm I, I'm, I'm i'm a little nervous uh, about that so uh, tell me about yesterday since i was uh since i was on the flight what'd you think of hanging with coop and how did how did everything go oh i'm supposed to watch it oh, uh, you set me an eye you set me up for that no i um I caught the first half here live, and then uh, went. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta stick around and watch uh, professionals do their craft uh, and everything. So fantastic mm -hmm. show, man! Everybody should check that out on Tuesday. Seriously, that was a, it was a great show. Uh, so much knowledge just off top of his head, man. He walked in with nothing, just sits down and did that whole yeah. show, and just was like off top of his head. Uh, you know, for a guy that takes you know eight hours to prep for his show. Uh, two hour show and he walks in and just like bloop, bloop, bloop. and then he put our bobblehead stuff to shame you know Robert I was in here when Jeff was setting up and it was pretty funny and I'm like gosh dang it man take this one away take this one away <laughs> so no it was a great show man I, I enjoyed it a lot that was great. It is it is so good for our company to be able to step up and have a a media legend in town. Yeah, uh, now, jump now we got in and be a part of the lineup. Now we got two media uh, professionals, and then uh, you know an unknown. So that's good. And me. So that's awesome. We're, oh, we're, we're I, rolling it up. Uh, 
Um, we'll get there. We'll get there. The um, so now we, well, I, I, I wasn't even going to do because I didn't know sorry. if you were leaving yourself out. If you're leaving Izzy out, no, I didn't I was know leaving, who was leaving, here, so I wasn't even going down there. Yeah, I was leaving myself out, but I, I just uh, now now I'm going to have to apologize to Dale. Three media professionals and an unknown and Steve McCollum. Yeah, so now yeah, I got to apologize to Dale, Dale. So yeah. Yeah, forget and forgotten, but then promoted mad. all in this all in one breath. He's mad. Uh, he'll, uh, <laughs> well, hello, sunshine. Well, hello, Doug. You're a little too close to the camera. Yeah, Back up a little you bit. are. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's because it's up against the wall. The, the yeah. laptop is up against the wall and the desk is about this big. How, how <laughs> I'm many saying, I'm about a Lakita desk, Dale? Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I realize we have a delay and we keep, I keep tripping over you, so I apologize. But second of all, how many times has somebody banged down the wall and said, keep it down? I'm okay because of the fact that it's nine o'clock Eastern is when the show yeah. started. So then I don't think anybody's still here by nine o'clock Eastern. Yeah, that's um, true. But so far, nobody called security or anything. So <laughs> I, uh, I think I'm safe. That's I think I'm safe. We'll that's see. Because they're out dealing with the uh, the guy overdosing on drugs outside your hotel. That's where they are. <laughs> thank so. you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, hey, I'm not necessarily I, saying you're, uh, yeah. you're, you're wrong about I, that at, uh, at all. I've so spent a tonight, lot of time which, in uh, Cleveland. What, I spent a lot of time in Cleveland in my day because uh, the corporate headquarters of my company was there. So uh, I get it. Oh. I get it. I get it. I get it. But that was back when LeBron. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was there when LeBron made the finals the first time against the Spurs, which was kind of okay. exciting. I was there a lot when the Indians were good with CC Sabathia and those guys. So that was fun to go to. Uh, and then yeah. downhill, downhill from there. They've changed the ballpark too. With uh, the, all of right field is now a huge bar area. Yeah. So I went to a game about two years ago, and that was actually pretty awesome. It was when my uh, my godson graduated from high school, so we went and took him to a game, and that was really cool. That bar area, and yeah. they have a. Uh, but what's what's offensive to, to Cleveland is they have a Cincinnati brewery is the one that brews yes. all the beer for that right field bar. Yeah. I would th- I would have thought that was a mistake. Well, it's like ASU uh, naming their stadium after a uh, credit union in Utah. Well, what do we get? It's only money. It's all about the money. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's always true. What's your uh, expectations for tonight? Um, Braves are going to win. Uh, okay, okay, okay. You were kind of negative on the D-backs today. Expect them to lose. Look, you cannot discount the fact that Brandon Fott one already has a start in the playoffs, so the playoff jitters are gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, it's at home, so the crowd's going to be behind him mostly. It's going to be a D-back pro crowd, but there's going to be a lot of Dodgers fans there. But then, man, mm-hmm. Lance Lynn, now he's had a couple good games since he got traded to the Dodgers, but he's also trash. He's past his prime. Yeah. He's not very good. And the way the D-backs' bats have been hitting, like, there's not, this, could be, this could be a 15-10 ball game, or Brandon Fock can go seven innings and give up three runs, and the Diamondbacks win 11-3. to there, There's literally just an absolute unknown going to this game tonight uh, because of both pitchers uh, you know, and, and everything. Um, but this is a game potential that the Dodgers' bats can wake up, and this is what's deadly. Brandon Fott does not have a good outing, and the Dodgers go out and score a lot of runs. They're obviously going to wake up those bats, and you're going into game four tomorrow night, and then, of course, game five back in L.A. That's the danger for tonight uh, is the Dodgers. Uh, I call it a get-right game. Yeah. Brandon Fott's I look at it. it. 
very similar to what you're doing, but to me, it depends on the who. I don't care if it's like an Altman that goes off, you know, or a couple yes. guys at the bottom of the lineup. I just care as long as Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts don't go off. I don't care if the Dodgers win 20 to 1, yeah. if Freddie Freeman strikes out three times and uh, Betts goes 0 for 4. Because then I think I don't care because yeah. Merrill Kelly is going to light you up in game four. Yeah. If those two go off and get their timing back, uh oh. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. It is who as well. So, um, look, Brandon Fott has shown to be, you know, in this first playoff game, right, with all the jitters that he had, he struggled in that first inning. He kind of settled down a little bit, uh, you know, against Milwaukee. So I kind of expect the same thing from him tonight. I do expect runs to be scored tonight, though. So it is going to be, I'm not going to say high scoring, but it is going to be a lot of runs mm -hmm. from both teams tonight. And just by byproduct of the starting pitching, it's going to come down to tonight, not just the hitting, who can score runs, and then the bullpens are going to be the key tonight for both teams. And the Dodgers bullpen, I don't care that they've had a couple days off now, right? They had yesterday off. Uh, that bullpen's yep. been out there a lot. And at this point in the season, everybody's down, the, you know, everybody's down a little bit, hurting a little bit. A day off helps them, but at the same time, when you haven't been good, a day off doesn't necessarily help you. I think, let, let's go to what you said beforehand. I don't think the off day really matters for the bullpen very much because of how poor the starting pitching has done for the Dodgers. Yeah. The Diamondbacks have seen them so much. Yes. So not only are you in the same division against these relievers, but now you also have two quick starts by both pitchers for the Dodgers in, in Kershaw and Miller. So now you relied more on your bullpen. So now that's just another set of looks. We always talk about the third time through the rotation, uh, through the batting order order is always weaker for the mm -hmm. starting pitcher. Well, it's almost the same thing now. This is going to be the second for sometimes some guys maybe even third yeah. time seeing somebody. You're going to be locked in uh, against that reliever. So uh, this is coming up on versus Vegas, but I'll, I'll ask you the total set at nine and a half. Are you over or under or are you not touching it? I'm over. Yeah, I, I, think, so well, I think the potential is to be higher. Uh, and, and I'm not even saying Brandon Fock could give up most of those. It could be Lance Lynn that gives up the nine runs. You know, yeah, uh, I do yeah. like I do like that. Tory said he, he's going to watch Brandon Fott. Say, he even mentioned second, third time through the order. So that's something it's to watch. Time for it's going to be fun. Oh, look at Jeff Weir production jump in. As the Official judge and jury, only because it's my show on Doug Franz Unplugged. I'm going to say that that was nailed right there by Steve McCollum. I, I think he got it, and Jeff Weir production got into his. But Jeff Weir, that was a very good move by you, knowing that I don't have a clock in front of me. I have a, I don't have a clock with seconds. Why do I have a world clock on my iPad, and yet they don't have something better where you actually have a uh, uh, a timer or something like that. Uh, the seconds. You don't have the seconds on the world clock on iPad. I don't get that. That is not Doug's big one, however. Versus Vegas today. Uh, a little heartbroken. My 11-1-1 string took a little bit of a hit in which I don't know if I got this game right or wrong. I had Minnesota beating Houston on the money line last night. Minnesota over Houston on the money line last night. Um, Houston scored nine runs. The Twins scored one. Was I close? Did I? I still only lose one game for that. You should lose two. You should like automatically lose your next bet. Oh, this team will win. What was the score? Oh, they lost nine to one. Oh, okay. So I go down. 
lose a uh, or pick up a loss. One thousand five nine fifteen and five now. Ever since Doug Franz unplugged started the versus Vegas, beautiful part of the of the podcast today. It's just like I, I mentioned with. Uh, Steve, I don't really know who's going to win. I do think the Dodgers are going to win tonight, and I think Diamondbacks win game. I'm like really gung-ho Diamondbacks win Thursday as long as there's no injuries today. However, there's no way it goes under nine and a half to me. To, to the point that was really important that Steve just made. Steve told you about the year of Lance Lynn. He has been a little better, but Lance Lynn has struggled, and the offense is hot right now for the Diamondbacks, plus they get the lift of the crowd. Then you deal with, at some point, the Dodgers aren't going to be held down forever, and you're going up against a rookie pitcher against the Dodgers' packed house. I don't know if he's really going to be able to control his stuff very well with the adrenaline pumping. I love the over nine and a half for this game. And I think they're going to hit that easy, like fifth inning easy. I didn't look it up, but if you are a hardcore gambler, I would really look at some totals early in the game as well as being uh, as being overs. Then I'm going to double down tonight. I got two bets, one game. Uh, oh, you know what? I looked ahead too much. Never mind. I'm just going to go with Dodgers. I, You could tell I was getting ready for tomorrow's show, and I already wrote my picks down for Thursday night football, Chiefs and Broncos. Oh, you know what? I'm going to say that to you now because I there's a, only about a 10% chance I'm going to be able to do the show myself tomorrow and because uh, I'll be flying in um, from Cleveland. So let's go. I'll give you my Thursday night football picks. I'm still doubling down. I'm going to take the Chiefs and Denver Broncos going over the 48.5 total. I feel wonderful about that because Denver's such trash. And then the, the negative of that is if Denver doesn't kick in. You know, the Chiefs could easily score 40 points, but are you really going to get 9 or 10 points from Denver? You know, maybe not. And then I'm going to take the Chiefs to cover the 10.5 against Denver. Double digits in the NFL are really, really hard. But I think the Chiefs are getting a little better and a little better every game. And I think the Broncos are just as trashy as they seem. Plus, playing on a Thursday night, they are already bad, and now they got to turn around and play on short rest on the road. No way. No way with a bad team like that. So I'm taking, I'm taking Chiefs doubling up on those two things for my picks for Thursday night. That does it for today's edition of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Please do me a favor, jump all over the Whirlwind Plus fan as an Unplugged Army member. If you're not a golfer, it's still not a terrible idea because you save 15% off of everything at Civlook and the Pro Shop. So as you get close to Christmas, if you have a golfer in your life, that might be a perfect opportunity. You also receive a discount from the spa and you receive a discount if you want to book a room. All of that as a Whirlwind Plus member. If you are a golfer, oh my gosh, it's a no-brainer. $34 $34 a month if you only play during certain months, so you want to do it that way, or you can save even more, $299 a year. That saves you a little over $100 if you go for the year package. So now you spent $299, and then anytime you play golf, you set your tee time within five days, you get the lowest rate that day. That's what is amazing for you to be able to work out. Think about that. You get that good of a deal that you are saving 50, 60, 70, sometimes $100 a round. You play three or four times over the course of a whole year, you just made money. 
and it's a premier course. That's what's special. This course is around 200 bucks around in the spring. If you go to Unplugged, thank you, Jeff Weir Production, Unplugged at Whirlwind.com, but spell out the word at. Unplugged at Whirlwind.com is where to go to be able to do that. You click on sign up today, and then once you click on sign up today, it'll take you to a website to fill out your information, and Sweet Lou will get a hold of you and welcome you to Whirlwind Plus. I'd love for you to join it, and as a golfer, I can tell you it is totally, totally worth it. Also, best breakfast burritos in the entire history of planet Earth are at at Burrito Express, seven locations across the east side. Best sandwich in all of Arizona is the Nashville Hot Chicken Sandwich. You can get that at Bell's Nashville Kitchen. And by the way, that Sunday brunch, oh my goodness. And and I've even had the mac and cheese with the, the chicken fingers on it. That's incredible as well. Great menu. It's chef inspired dishes, even though you're at a great country bar. Love the place. Anything going on with your air conditioning this weekend as we still hold on for a little bit of heat? 6022 repair. That's 602, the number two, then R E P A I R for Parker and Sons. Far and away the best heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical company that you're going to get in the valley. And don't forget Rosati's as well, the official sports bar of Doug Franz Unplugged. They're located in Chandler on Ray and McQueen, but only that Rosati's is the official sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged. So don't forget that. Coming up tomorrow, we'll have kind of a, I think we've got a plan for possibly a guest host. We might be showing a best of show. I won't be able to podcast tomorrow because I'm basically going to be getting back here to my hotel room at about 11 o'clock and I got to leave the hotel room at about five o'clock tomorrow. So it's going to be pretty crazy for me on Thursday, but I will be able to go to Thursday night, D-backs Dodgers, if that game happens. Hopefully it doesn't. <laughs> Hopefully I don't have a Thursday night game to go to, but if the D-backs lose, I'll be at that game and we'll have great coverage for you coming up on Friday's Doug Franz Unplugged. The main event is up next. This is WTSMTV.com live from La Quinta. By the way, don't don't stay at the La Quinta in, uh, by the Cleveland airport. Just a little word of advice. <laughs> I'll see you Friday.